1: For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. Visit RosettaStone.com/rs10. That's fifty percent off unlimited access to twenty-five language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your fifty percent off at RosettaStone.com/rs10 today. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a Radio.com podcast about your beloved birds.
0: Welcome on into the 49th, aka the Josh Perry, former Eagles Legend fullback uh, episode of the Counterpoint Podcast on the GB's podcast, the Go Birds Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jack Fritz. As always, I am back for my honeymoon. I when I when I plan my honeymoon, and this is gonna be like a little bit of a self pat in the back, but when I planned my honeymoon, I was like, eh, the, right right after the wedding, that sounds good. You know, I didn't even like. It almost didn't even factor in that I'd be coming back just in time for game week. So I missed the whole fourth preseason game, which was like pretty relieving because I can't stand the fourth preseason game. Uh, and I didn't have to see Christian Hackenberg, although I did catch some highlights. And uh, yeah, shocking that guy's not around anymore. But um, yeah, I, I I caught some highlights. Whatever. I, I missed all the fourth preseason overreaction stuff. Uh, get back and it's game week. Like like the Philadelphia Eagles are gonna be. Back playing football on Thursday, and for the first time, they're going to be doing it as Super Bowl champions. And for the first time since his horrible Super Bowl performance, we're going to see Chris Collinsworth. And I don't know if the Eagles want to do this, but given that they all listen to the podcast and understand how um, how much influence the Counterpoint Podcast has, I think I think the Eagles and Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman, especially Zach Ertz, Corey Clement. I think they should all be down on the field and I think what they should do and they, they, they will not, don't tell Chris Collinsworth any of this. Like I know Chris Collinsworth probably li- probably listens to the podcast, but I don't want anyone don't spoil this for the Eagles, but I want them to get that, that single spotlight that I, I seem to be obsessed with. I think if you listen to this podcast and you're like, wow, that guy fucking is obsessed with a single spotlight, but I think it's good look. And maybe I think it's good look because I haven't really gotten over uh, SpongeBob's performance. In the, the, the Super Bowl in whatever SpongeBob Spongebob SquarePants back in the day. So I always have thought about the, the single spotlight thing. Um, I think they should get a single spotlight and I, and I think right before the the right maybe twenty minutes before he's ready to go on NBC, they should shine it on Chris Collinsworth, make him surprised, have him turn around, get him on the get him on the big screen, and to to his shocked big dumb fucking face and and have him turn around, face spotlight, kind of blocking the spotlight out, and then say, "Chris, we want to welcome you down to the field." And Chris Collinsworth, the spotlight's going to follow him the whole way down the stairs. He, he cannot take. He cannot take a stadium route. He he cannot take the elevator down. He has to he has to go down through e- sections of Eagles fans. Now Eagles fans, if this does happen, which I think it should happen, I, it might not happen, but I would love for it to happen. But you don't have to throw stuff at him. Don't 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 waste a beer on Chris Collinsworth. But you know you, you know yell some inflammatory comments at him. You know yell at him a little bit, make him feel uncomfortable on that walk down. Uh, kind of kind of like in Game of Thrones when they had the shame walk. Same exact thing, but it's for Chris Collinsworth. So. He starts walking down. He's making his way down to the stadium. Gets gets all the way down to the field. Gets let out by security. Uh, again, nothing's going to be thrown on him. There's going to be no, like, there's no no beers poured on Chris Collinsworth. But he's going to be shook. And Chris Collinsworth is going to be shook. And they're going to bring him out to midfield. Waiting at midfield is going to be Zach Ertz. Waiting at midfield is going to be Corey, Corey Clement, Jeff Lurie, Doug Peterson, and Howie Roseman. They're all going to be standing there waiting for Chris Collinsworth. He's going to shake each one of their hands. And then Jeff's going to take the mic. And Jeff's going to say, Chris, uh, we'd like for you to issue an apology to the city of Philadelphia for your consistent slander during the Super Bowl. And Chris Collinsworth, again, with that goofy face of his, is going to take it, take the mic, turn to the crowd, and say, Philadelphia, I'm sorry. And at that point, we will maybe bury the hatchet for what was the the worst called Super Bowl and most biased Super Bowl I've ever heard in my entire life. It wasn't even close. There's no there's no there's no close second. He was horrible in the Super Bowl. And I, I think this would be the best way for Eagles fans to to not only make him do the shame walk and 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 boo the shit out of him, uh, but also let him say some stuff to us. And then hopefully we can we can all maybe now we don't have to move on, um, but maybe start the healing process with Chris Collinsworth because uh, listen, I was so disappointed in Collinsworth's Super Bowl performance because I had long defended Chris Collinsworth. I had long thought he was actually OK at his job. And then he pulls that shit and fucked around and he, now he's me banned from the Counterpoint podcast the only thing that is saving Chris Collinsworth from being banned from the counterpoint podcast is making the shame walk the walk of shame. Um, standing in front of, you know, 70,000 ravenous fans and saying, Hey, you know, that was on me. I'm sorry. Hand up. That was on me. And I think if Chris Collinsworth did that, it'd be, it'd be a nice touch. It'd be a nice touch. I mean, we deserve it. We won the Super Bowl. So, um, I was, so it's, this is, our, so, so, so Thursday the Eagles are back. Chris Collinsworth is back. Uh, I mean, the, the banner raising, it's just like, it's going to be such an emotional night. Like, if there, again, we talk about tears in this episode, tears on this podcast a lot. If there are no tears shed, and if you're not shedding tears, I just don't know what to say to you. Like, it, it's going to be a gorgeous, gorgeous night. And I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to it. So, um, Eagles football is back. It's game week. And I'm back from Costa Rica. And I got to be honest with you, everything was going great. Uh, I did not, there was no, there was no go birds yelled at me, even though I was wearing Eagles gear. Uh, there was no go birds yelled at me, which I was, it was a good go birds list trip. So it was no awkward conversations. It was no like go birds in a, in, a, in, in Spanish. And then I just would have been confused because going to Costa Rica, I, I felt like the dumbest human being on the face of the earth. Like I just, I couldn't, I didn't know what to say except for cerveza, which I crushed. I knew what to say. I knew what to say cerveza, but uh, and I did see a Costa Rican person wearing a uh, Don McNabb jersey. And I I almost said, hey, uh, driver, please stop driving for one second. Get out the car, take it off and say, Costa Rica is too proud of a country to to wear the jersey of a, of a complete loser like Don McNabb. So I almost did that, decided against it. Um, but yeah, so everything was going great. Everything's going great. No awkward birds conversation. I did wear Philadelphia slash Eagles related stuff almost everywhere I went um, just because I have to let everyone know that I am a Super Bowl champion and I am from a city of champions. But um, on the last day, the Costa Ricans got me. But I don't know if it was the Costa Ricans because it could have easily been someone basically someone poisoned me. Someone tried to poison me and they're trying to to take down the Counterpoint podcast. There's no other way to explain it. I've never been allergic to anything in my life. Uh, and I had an allergic like reaction to this tuna I was eating. Now, most of you're going to say, most of you're going to say, well, it was probably just, you know, the tuna was mishandled and your body wasn't adjusted to it. Uh, I was poisoned and they're trying to get the counterpoint podcast. I will not let the counterpoint podcast be compromised because listen, they tried to get me. My immune system was too strong because I was a world champion. And even though I had hives and I had all the nasty stuff, and I paid $80 for an IV. And this guy came to my my hotel room and he took out his iPhone, uh, his iPhone flashlight, and now it's his flashlight when he was doing uh you know sticking needles in me. And then he also asked to go take some pictures out on my balcony, and it was also on Instagram. It didn't take me down. Nothing is gonna stop me from putting out CounterPoint Podcasts. So whoever tried to poison me. And, and and silence the counterpoint podcast, you lost. And I won because I, much like the Eagles, am a world champion. Thank you. Also, so we had pissed off Doug. And listen, this was this was so weird because, you know, Doug is Doug. Like Doug and it, I just I love I love when the media meltdown melts down and I know you're going to say well Jack you're really part of the media and I to that I say I'm more in the entertainment side I don't consider myself really a part of the media I'm in this weird like like we'll go in the trust tree for a second like I'm in this weird part of my like life where it's like uh, I'm supposed to be in the media but like I also really love ripping the media but when I rip the media it's like well you're in the media so I just I'm very conflicted anyway I love when they melted down because it was like it was like a consistent meltdown. And even from our even from our good friend, Jimmy Kemsky. I mean, Jimmy Kemsky was having a meltdown and he was like coming back at Doug. And it was like, I love I just love when when journalists get on their get on their high horse. There's just something about it that just makes me smile. This makes me smile. And he was pissed off. And I just I don't understand. I don't understand why people haven't learned yet. Why Doug does this like Doug did that to, to send a message to his team cuz he's done this at select times. He 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 has gone after the media or gone after his, his team a little bit. He did it after Cincinnati. I'm just thinking mem- memorable times. Did it after the Cincinnati game in year 1. He sent a message to his team there. There was that was there was a moment there where it felt like they were teetering on the edge of giving up on Doug. He went to the media, sent a message, and they fell right in line. Everything's been perfect ever since. There was a for the Falcons game last year when um when everyone's like, well, I mean, how, how can you possibly beat this team with Nick Foles? Like, it's not possible. And Doug went out, sent a message. Team goes on a run. I think this is another example of Doug sending a message, making sure his team gets focused so they're good to go. And it's, that's, it's, it's consistent. He has always been cordial with the media, except when he needs to send a message. Those are three specific times where he needed to send a message. And I think he did. I think he did. He does it all the time. So I think... We've, we've got to learn now that Doug picks and chooses when he's going to start doing things. So, um, pissed off Doug. It was, it was good to get him back. It was cocky Doug. I mean, Doug, after the, the Super Bowl, like his media sessions have become musty TV. I love, I can, I can't get enough of media Doug because now he just, he walks out there and he just flings his dick on the table. That's all he's doing. And if you hear that little, like that's the ring. So that's just, that's adding another, the Eagles got a ring and Jack got a ring. Like it's, it's in mean, 2018 is the year, the year of Philadelphia. Anyway, so, Piss Off Doug, media meltdown, love every second of it. Uh, Jack's Headline number three. Uh, I saw this pop up yesterday, and it's a classic, like, fill-in host uh, on, like, Fox Sports, whatever. Uh, Brady Poppinga, who, again, I've never heard of in my entire life, and supposedly he is in the NFL, which I don't believe for one second, uh, comes out and says that he would listen to offers for Carson Wentz, which is, again, it's he's the, he's the best young quarterback in the entire league. Like he's the best young quarterback in the league. He's a—he's the only guy you could really be confident in building around. I mean, obviously the injury is there for a second, but like, he's the guy. There's there's no other guy besides Carson Wentz of the young quarterbacks that you would rather build around. And getting those guys is so rare that Brady Poppinga, who is probably going to be in the Browns front office in a little bit comes out and says that they should listen to offers for them which is like it's not even a take it's just it's it's a stupid take it's a it does it's a take that doesn't even make sense so Brady Poppinga is uh is like Maurice Jones Drew for the longest time was the most banned anyone could be um on the Counterpoint podcast Brady Poppinga is is above that like Brady Poppinga if he kissed my feet he would never get on the the Counterpoint podcast he would never even come close to the Counterpoint podcast he is he is that banned he is so banned that I'm erasing his name from the internet because he's not a reading real person. I, I highly doubt, highly doubt Brady Popping is a real person. We have a cocky Howie update and this isn't really an update. More so I was walking around in my, in my new home, not new home. It's well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I used to live in Westchester and now I'm living in Ardmore and I was walking around. I think I was walking to Chipotle and I'm walking and all of a sudden I stopped like I'm having a heart attack because I realized that while I have been wondering where Kaki Howie has been, Kaki Howie has been there the whole time. And it's, it's in the body of Jordan Malata where I found Kaki Howie once again, because cocky Howie, the, the Jordan Malata pick was, was the most cocky Howie move Kaki Howie could pull this entire offseason. Cocky Howie, in the the fucking seventh round of the NFL draft, pulls up from half court. He's on such a heat check. He's on such whipping his dick out and slamming it on the table that he says, you know what? Rest of the NFL, watch this fucking move. Goes to the podium, announces Jordan Malata, never played football in his entire life, 0% body fat, the most athletic player in the entire draft. And Kaki's like, listen, or cocky Howie's like, listen, our fucking roster is so loaded that you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a guy in the seventh round who is an absolute freak and turn him into an absolute stud. This was Kaki Howie's heat check, Jordan Balada. Kaki Howie is on his, he's on his 2016 Steph Curry, where he was the unanimous MVP, Mike Breen is walking around his house right now just saying, bang! Bang! Because that's what Howie Rosem's doing. And I I am sorry. Hand up. I completely missed this from Cocky Howie. This was a this was this this was this is Cocky Howie, like with a wry smile, like a wry under the radar smile. He's not going out and boasting about how he found Jordan Malata in the seventh round. He's letting Doug be cocky Doug. He heard, he listened to last week's counterpoint. He heard me say that, that cocky Doug has taken back the throne from cocky Howie and cocky, cocky Howie just, just sat there and laughed. He sat back, he started cackling to a nice little scotch in his big leather chair with a cigar and the fire, the, the, the fireplace going for some reason, even though it's like hot out, but I don't, he doesn't care. Why, why would he care? He just, he, he found a, he found a superstar. In the seventh round. I'm obsessed with Jordan Malata. Like I think Jordan Malata, I, I told you this before, but I what made what made having to go after Corey Clement so hard and hold him accountable for being a total fraud, what hurt so much is that Corey Clement's the type of player that I absolutely love. A guy who's undrafted turns into an absolute stud. Jordan Malata, seventh round pick, that guy's gonna be a that guy's gonna be a, a perennial pro bowler every single year. I mean, the guys—the guys, the guys a absolute freak. I mean, the guys like Ross Tucker loves him, Baldy loves him. All the old offensive linemen are like, dude, this is what Jason Peters looked like before he before he came to. Like Ross Tucker said today on the air that that he was there the first practice that Jason Peters converted from tight end to left tackle, and in five minutes he was better than Ross Tucker was his entire career. And that's exactly how I feel about Jordan Malata. And just, just the fact that cocky Howie in the seventh round was like, you know what? Watch this shit. Like, it's, it's, it's chess versus checkers. And Howie, I know you're listening. I'm sorry I missed it. But it finally came to me today. And I was like, man, mad respect. Mad respect as always, as always, Howie. Uh, there's a Bo Allen mural that is in the works and confession. I miss Bo, Bo, Allen. I loved Bo Allen. Bo Allen is going to go down on this Eagles team as very much like the chooch of this team, Um, very much like the chooch because, you know, chooch wasn't the best player on that team, but he felt like the guy that held everything together. Everyone loved chooch. The, 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 the clubhouse loved chooch and the locker room loved Bo Allen. So Bo Allen, I, I hope he gets a mural. I I truly hope he gets a mural. It'll be it be awesome. So um uh, Bo Allen, I miss you. Maybe just resign here on a vet minimum. If you're a real if you're a real, you know, eagle guy, you would do that. Um Ian Rappaport was so close, so close he was he was flirting. He was flirting with being banned. Ian Rappaport. Has been the most wrong I've ever seen of any reporter ever on the Eagles for the last like two years. It's been it's been almost unprecedented, and he almost did it again. I I was gonna put this in my show notes, but it came out that Foles is gonna ultimately start on on Thursday night. But I need I needed Carson Wentz to start because I just I want Ian Rappaport to be wrong more than any other reporter out there. The the consistent of him putting out something with the Eagles and then being completely wrong within the next couple of, 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 of minutes. Even there's been times where it's minutes where he'd be wrong. Uh, and we were so close to getting with Carson Wentz, but didn't happen. So Ian Rappaport, congratulations. You have, you are not banned. You flirted with it. You're close. Didn't happen. So take a deep breath, buddy. I know you listen, but take a deep breath. Finally, Camus Grugier-Hill. Like I completely miscalculated the power of Camus Grugier-Hill. I, if you, if you're a long time trust and you listen to Counterpoint Podcast from the beginning, you would know that Camus Grugier-Hill was on my shit list because he jeopardized the entire season when he poured Gatorade on Doug Peterson after the week one win. Little did I know that for as much as, as Camus, maybe the, the 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 will linebacker, maybe a special teams ace, this guy's also like a, a wizard. Like the, Everything Camus Grugier-Hill touches, turns to gold, Everything that me, panicked Eagles fan, always on the edge of my seat, Eagles fan, would normally freak out about, and I did freak out about, he's just been like, nah, that's cool. I got this. And they're rewarding him with being a captain on Thursday night. And I think if Camus, who I'm 95% sure listens to the podcast, I would love to see him pour Gatorade on Doug Peterson again and then walk out. The the pregame pour Gatorade on Doug Peterson and then walk out. Like he should be the last one to come out. He pours the he pours the Gatorade, turns to the crowd. Again, the single spotlight <laughs> right on Camus, dumps it. It's all in slow motion, dumps it, drops it, sprints out to the sprints out the half half field. That's what I would do. That's what I do. But like Camus, from the bottom of my heart, I'm sorry. That I doubted your, your Gatorade bath after week one. I was proven completely wrong. You were proven completely right. You did not jinx the season. In fact, you blessed the season. And congrats on being the new special teams ace of your Philadelphia Eagles. Alright, we need to go directly into the trust tree. Because I, I need the trust tree really bad right now. And I need it. I need it. Just, just need it. Need you guys. And I need it because I feel I feel the fakes coming. You know, the fakes, the fakes are 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 right there. There's there's a certain diseased Eagles fans trying to hold them back, and eventually we're just going to be overtaken. It's exactly what happened with the Phillies in 2009 after they won the world the World Series. It's exactly what happened. Everyone and their mother was all of a sudden a Phillies fan. And now the Phillies are back, you know, they're just not showing up and don't really care about the team. And I just it's going to happen with the Eagles. And I think as a tree, we got to get together and just. Brace ourselves for it, because I've I've had interactions with the Eagles fans over the last couple of days, you know, being back in the city and stuff, and I'm just disgusted and not happy about it. You know, everyone just like wearing their generic Nike fucking Wentz jersey around. And like, I love Carson, but like, it's like almost, it's almost numero uno for you're a total fake. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's going to come out. I'm going to get angry. Um, it's already happening all over Instagram. Like if you're on Instagram, you see all the like, you know, drinking with the birds and it's like world champs. And it's just like, oh, I just wanted to be back to like to just us, man. And it it feels like the fakes are coming. It feels like the fakes are going to just overtake the fan base. We're going to get so much like, and that's why I'm so kind of out on the Philly special, because it seems like such a, such a thing that the fakes would be like, Oh, Philly special. Yeah. And like, you know, there's so many, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, but like, there's a difference between a, a diehard Eagles fan and a diseased Eagles fan. Like, Everyone and their mother calls them a, a diehard Eagles fan. Well, of course you're a diehard Eagles fan. You, you fucking watch on Sundays. That's all you watch. It's all you watch. You don't, you don't listen to any radio. You don't listen to any podcasts. You don't watch anything during the week. Anyone can be a, an Eagles diehard fan because it's one game a week for a couple hours on Sunday. You probably have people over. You're having dip and you're laughing during the game. It's not serious. And that's just going to happen more and more this year. It's going to happen more and more. There's me it's going to be more social events rather than a business trip. And the Eagles for me and every one of you in the trust tree are a business trip. There's no laughing or messing around. Like this is the, this is the the Eagles we're talking about and I know they won the Super Bowl. I don't want that edge to be gone though. Because that's what makes us great Eagles fans. So I'm just like I'm preemptively getting angry and the conversations I'm going to have about the Eagles because like you can't even have a rational conversation because they're like, well, they won. like, it's just like you can't even talk about them. So the, the, the fakes, the fakes are starting to come out of the woodworks. It's it's going to happen on Thursday. Uh, there's going to be a certain fraction of the fan base that is going to be in tears. And there's going to be others who are just there to drink and be and have fun, which is fine. Like if That's how you want to enjoy football. That's fine. But like, don't even don't wear jerseys. Just just show up and just please don't wear Eagle stuff please don't wear Eagles stuff and you know, whatever. I'm, I, I'm preemptively getting angry, but I think those of you in the trust tree are like, you know what, Jack, it makes sense. It makes sense because I'm sure you have a conversation with Eagles fans. You're like, wow, you don't even care. Like you don't even care, do you? Um, they're just going to say Philly special and Super Bowl champs and like that stuff. It's just, I'm getting angry. I shouldn't get angry, but the, the fakes are, are, are coming and it's, it's just going to be like the Phillies all over again, which I didn't, I wasn't in love with the post 2008 Phillies because everyone was in love with the Phillies in quotation marks in love. Um, but it's coming and I just need to get it off my chest. I need to get my, my preemptive anger off my chest because I knew those of you in the trust tree would understand. I know you'd get it. Now back to Thursday night, there's a, a very important thing that's going to happen along with like Thursday going to be magical. Like before the game, you're going to have Chris Collinsworth coming down. He's going to apologize to the entire fan base. You're going to have Camu Karija Hill pouring Gatorade on Doug Peterson again. And there's also a, a special moment for Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. Yes, our beloved quarterbacks. Because what Thursday night represents, I think it's the last time all of Philadelphia is going to be able to, to, to look down on Nick Foles and be like, thank you. Because in my opinion, in in my version of, of life, um, this is the last game that Nick Foles will ever play for the Eagles. And that's why I'm, I'm kind of fine With Foles starting in game one, because in my estimation, this is the last time I'll ever see Nick Foles play quarterback for the Eagles, unless the Eagles start blowing teams out and he's playing in like the fourth quarter, which is fine. But you know what I mean? There's a moment that should be had during um, quarterback introductions. I think Carson should come out first. I think Carson should be introduced as if he's playing in the game. Obviously, he's not going to play, but I think he needs to go out. Take the mic. Obviously, single spotlight, of course, on him. I mean, why wouldn't there be? And, and just say, guys, I got this next week. But for one more time, this is Nick Foles' team. Then, boom, fireworks go off. Foles comes jogging out, has a number one pointed up to the crowd. Single spotlight shifts. Carson, much like he handled the Super Bowl trophy to Nick Foles, hands in the microphone. And Nick gives a little soliloquy. I don't know if that. I don't know if soliloquy makes sense there. It just sounded like a big word. Um, and says, "Hey, Philadelphia, last time i ever gonna play for you. Uh, let's go win this one." And then Foles and Wentz walk off together, holding their arms with the number one sign. <laughs> I'm getting choked up thinking about it. Honestly, um, it'd be it'd be a cool moment to remember the quarterback that won a Super Bowl and his last. Last game as a Philadelphia Eagle will be this Thursday, Nick Foles. Now that the Eagles are back, it is time to introduce a brand new segment. And we're gonna do this before every week. Um, we're gonna decide if this game is a is a must win or a trap game. Because as we all know, every game is a must win or a trap game. There's no in between. It's never it's never like yeah they could lose this one, they'd be fine. It's always must win a trap game, and I think Eagles Falcons Week One is our first trap game of the season. You know the Eagles are coming in; they're getting the the, the banner raised. There's gonna be high emotions. There's gonna be a lot of nostalgic look backs at at, at last year's at last year's Super Bowl run. Also, before I keep going here, uh, Julio Jones and Jalen Mills and that play at the end—that's just gonna be playing on a loop. Like nothing else will be played. That's all you need to do. The crowd will get hype enough. You don't have to tell the crowd to get hype. Just play that. Listen, the Eagles have done a poor job of trolling post Super Bowl win. This is a chance to get them back again. Like I'm, I'm, I'm giving free advice, and the Eagles continue to just say, "No, nah, we're good." Keep playing the Julio Jones and dropping and Matt Ryan over there. on a loop, on a loop. But game one is our first trap game of the season. I know. How can you have a trap game in week one? Well, we got it because you have the emotions of the Super Bowl run last year. You have the banner being raised. You have Chris Collinsworth getting getting honored pregame. You have Kamu Rocher Hill dumping Gatorade on Doug Peterson. Like, there's just going to be there's going to be a lot of um uh, uh of thoughts not totally on the game. It's not a must win, but week one official tally is a trap game for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. Counterpoint mailbag time. Uh, I which you can always email at counterpointmailbag at gmail.com. I sent out all the invites to the survivor poll. Uh, first, I sent from 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 Yahoo. And I realized it was just like an NFL pick them. So, like, you weren't really... It wasn't like a survivor poll. It was like you pick games and whatever. But I want to do survivor. So, if, if you got the Yahoo Yahoo link, just uh, disregard that. Because I sent another link with... Um, with it to nfl.com so if you're looking for the star survivor pool and you can still get in it uh, if, if you listen to this podcast and you want to get in it just email counterpointmailbag at gmail.com and i'll get you on there um but we do have some important business to take care of of course with the counterpoint mailbag so um first one from heavy hitter 55 which i hope is about brandon Graham, but if not i understand Heavy hitter 55 writes in, Hey Jack, first time writer took a while to figure out that you're a half-serious podcast uh, at the most. Uh, That's a good job. I'd say it's about half-serious, but also dead serious at all times. Um, Thought I'd ask if I could become a member of the trust tree. I'm a first-generation Eagles fan. I grew up and was raised in upstate New York, Bill's country. Sorry to hear it. Uh, I did not follow football until entering high school. My dad told me about McNabb-Syracuse days. Uh, I then started following the birds in 2000. McNabb brought me here, but B. Doc, man, Trot, Troy Vinson, Bobby Taylor made me stay. I was absolutely devastated after the the Eagles Patriots Super Bowl 39. Uh, after I had my heart torn out for every NFC Championship game lost, um, I cried like a baby after seeing double zero zero after the pass was batted down. And in celebration of Uncle Dougie P, uh, I ate celebratory ice cream. I randomly cried for weeks afterwards and teared up watching Doc's Hall of Fame speech. When considering my life priorities, I list the following. One sex, two the Eagles, three family. Uh, I hope this is enough to be considered a disease Eagles fan and permitted to pass through the pearly Kelly Green gates into the trust tree. You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I mean, of course, heavy hitter. Uh, Lee, your name's Lee. Of course. That's a, that's a, a, a valiant ploy. The, the random crying. That's what, that's what, that's what brings it home for you. 100%. 100%. All right, let's go to Anthony Combs. Fluff Earl Thomas, the uh, subject line reads, I'm cutting down on my cussing, but it's F Earl Thomas. <laughs> there are so many reports he loves the Cowboys and checks their scores in locker room. Then he cockrides rides them saying trade for me. Anyone who wants him on the Eagles should be instantly kicked out of the trust tree or fired out of a cannon to the sun. I don't care that, he's, that he is one of the best in the league right now. P.S. Another thing, if we don't like the Dallas Goddard's name and he hates being called Philly, what the hell is his middle name? Ha ha. Well, Anthony, sounds like <laughs> sounds like you just had to get some uh, venting off your chest because I don't think they're going after Earl Thomas. And I think we've already put to bed the the Brandon Graham Earl Thomas thing. It's already it's already been done. But yeah, you know, I like the anger. I like that that what is it? Seven years now, <laughs> we still get angry about Earl Thomas. Uh from Greg Hilker. Jack, like yourself, I'm a firm believer that a good jersey number elevates a player. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's not even its not even me. It's just science. Um, however, I'm a bit concerned that the Eagles equipment staff are leading us down a slippery slope when it comes to handing out jersey numbers. The Eagles have quite a few retired jersey numbers, uh, which I can respect, but they've also gone out of their way to, to withhold certain numbers from new players based on some recent and not so recent stars who have since left Philly. First of all, nobody has been allowed to wear number 12 since Cunningham left town which I think is absurd since that is a very strong QB wide receiver number. So the Eagles can throw around number seven willy-nilly, which is worn by arguably the most successful Eagles quarterback of all time in Ron Jaworski, but 12 is off limits. I think the number needs to come back. I agree with you in the sense that it's a great number. However, 12 looks like absolute trash in Midnight Green and in these jerseys. I think 12 is a fantastic number, but I think it's bad with the Midnight Green. Kelly Green, I'm with you. Midnight Green, bad. I know this because I always make my quarterbacks 12 when I make a Madden guy. Um, and 12 kind of trash. So if they go back to Kelly Green, I agree with you. But, you know, you know what I mean? Similarly, the Eagles haven't issued 25 since Shady got shipped out, which is robbing the city of Philadelphia from a, a, a strong RB slash DB number. More recently, it looks like the new Eagles weren't able to pick 87 because of Brent Selleck, and I feel like his number needs to be used by another tight end. Totally agree. I agree on both of them, especially since Shady is like, Kind of a shit dude. I understand that he's like the all-time leading rusher in Eagles history, but like, come on. And Brent's still like great Eagle, but 87 is too good of a number. If he was a hall of famer, different story, but 87 is too good of a tight end number. So I agree with you. Um, I'm afraid since uh, the Eagles won the Super Bowl that a few years, that in a few years, many other strong numbers are going to be taken out of circulation by the Eagles equipment staff after some of our most important Super Bowl winning players retire and move on. If they continue this trend of unofficially retiring important players' numbers, we're going to have a crisis on our hands. What are your thoughts? Should we be concerned? I think we should be concerned, um, because there's just they're, there's there's too many good football numbers. There's just like like thirty six is a really good football number, but Brian Westbrook's so you're not going to wear that again. Um, let's like for example in this team like eleven, maybe no one's ever going to wear again because uh, Carson's probably going to be an Eagles all of Famer. Like nine will be wore, worn again. I don't like it's fine. 71 has to be used again. I'm sorry, Jason Peters. Jason, like, there's just there's so many good numbers now. If there's if these guys turn into hall of famers and they turn into like like all timer all timers, and I listen, I think what the Eagles coaching or Eagles equipment staff has to do is that they have to start separating possibly great players and just good players. Like you can't give like. <laughs> You can't give seventy-one to some like random seventh-round pick. You can't give like you, can, you have to give it to like a, a, a guy worthy of wearing it. There's like the new rookie talent show should be by the equipment staff as they hand a, a jersey number to a first-round pick, and continuing that tradition rather than just making it completely off limits. Twenty-five goes to the next next Eagles like running back in the first two rounds that everyone's just on board with. There has to be certain parameters. Like I don't want I don't want some scrub. Like I, I don't want, I don't want an absolute scrub wearing like seventeen or sixty two or fifty five or ninety one, like, or twenty seven. Like they have to be worn by guys worthy of it. And I just don't. I like. I, I don't. I don't want the seventh round pick just to be wearing twenty seven and thinking that he's Malcolm Jenkins. I think that's fair. Uh, Hey, Jack. First off, congratulations getting married. I myself got married last summer and it's been amazing. It helps the Eagles decide to make their wedding gift uh, to us a Super Bowl ring. I mean, it really was. And let's be real, that's the best ring to get out of this year. Uh, The best gift is one that can be shared with everyone after all. I have a slight dilemma. I heard your uh, your advice to a previous question regarding a broken hat and I had to ask my own. I wore the same Eagles hat last year every week, including the playoffs and the Super Bowl win. After the greatest win of my life, I went out and bought the reflective Eagles Super Bowl champions hat and an Eagles blackout hat. My question is, do I wear the same hat that I wore all the way through last season or do I wear this new hat as we are in a new era of Eagles football? I am very torn and unsure about this issue. So I knew I needed to ask the fans for his wisdom on the situation. Best wishes on your married and fly those fly. So I am pretty much against, like that's, that's also another way to uh, differentiate a diseased Eagles fan from a diehard Eagles fan is if they wear the the Super Bowl merchandise like on game day. Um, it just like, I just, I, I never liked it. I always like I look tacky. So for, I know I talked about, you need to find new traditions, but when you have such a great hat and you have a hat that you, you experience the highest high of your life with, I think you got to stick with that hat just because you're going to look at that hat and just start welling up a little bit. I don't want you to wear those cheap hacky hats even though I'm sure they weren't cheap or hacky but like they just they feel cheap and hacky because of what you went through with that first hat like this is a lot like a marriage eventually we're gonna be married for like 20 years you can't just get past that first hat you may have your reflective Eagles Super Bowl champions hat you may have the Eagles blackout hat but think about that first hat and stick with that one you're welcome um, uh, from Matthew Atta, who I think asked about betting week one and I will get to that in a second. So I'm not going to answer your question now because we have, what's the line saying coming up soon? Uh, from Tom Diasaro with, with headline Camuk Hill, which is very fitting. Hey Jack, congrats on the wedding. So I traveled back East over Labor Day and noticed that the American airlines has a Super Bowl highlights video. So of course I watched it and noticed something new albeit not surprising. After winning the Super Bowl, Camus was the person who dumped Gatorade on Doug. Considering watched in horror as he led the Super Bowl, uh, led the Gatorade dump on Doug after the very first game, is Camus a prophet who can predict the future should the Eagles make a tradition of this for every first game or first win? Uh, And do you think we'll look back on Camus' career in 20 years and see as an Eagles legend? Much like Bo Allen and Carlos Ruiz, Camus Gurija Hill has a chance to be that next guy. That next guy. I almost forgot about him dumping Gatorade on Doug after they won the Super Bowl. But like I said, Kamu Griget-Hill is some sort of wizard. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know what he does. But Kamu Griget-Hill, stay woke on this. He is not from this from this earth. That dude is a wizard and a prophet and also a pretty good uh, special team player. I'm interested in having it after every game or after every first win now that they know it's not completely a, a season rumor, but it can only be from Camus. If 90 year old Camus has to come out there and dump Gatorade on 110 year old Doug Peterson. It's got to happen. Only Camus though. Only Camus uh, from Stephen Appleman. Hey Jack, uh, I need to dive into the trust tree and ask you for some important marital advice. I feel like this is appropriate since you recently became a married man yourself. Congrats by the way. I have been a disease Eagles fan since I was 10 and spent my childhood Sundays watching the highs and lows of the Andy Reid era Eagles all the way to the present. I met my now wife in college in 2011 over the course of our years together and converted her into a fellow disease Eagles fan like myself. We got married on September 9th, 2017 in our backyard and the next day stopped breaking down all of our wedding decorations to watch the Eagles beat the Redskins on opening day last year. We both screamed and hugged each other when Jake Elliott kicked the 61-yard field goal to beat the Giants, even after we had gotten into a noise complaint from our na- from our downstairs neighbors. We even went as far to plan our honeymoon around the Eagles because we, we spent a week traveling down south and ended up at the Eagles-Panthers game to watch the Eagles beat the Panthers and that fraud, Pete Morelli, almost forgot what Pete, like I just, I, I hate Pete Morelli. And if he wants to apologize to the Eagles along with... Chris Collinsworth. That is also allowed. We have spent the uh, the whole magical 2017 season in the same Eagles gear and the same spots on the couch and cried tears of joy when the Eagles beat the Patriots in Super Bowl 52. We feel that our marriage the day before the Eagles season brought a little bit of extra luck and magic to the 2017 Eagles on their run to win Super Bowl 52. But we are both worried that the same magic won't carry over into this upcoming season. My question for you and the trust tree is, do we get divorced and then remarried the day before the Eagles played the Falcons to open up the season to find that little bit of extra magic? I feel like this may be in a bit of an extreme, but we're both willing to do whatever it takes to watch Eagles repeat as Super Bowl champions. Thanks and congrats on your marriage. Steven, I respect it. Don't get a divorce. I have a better idea. Renew your vows. Renew your vows every every Saturday before the Super Bowl or before before the start of every Eagles season. Renew the vows. Call everyone over and go through those vows one more time because that's when it became sacred. And just honestly, I think it's good for, it's a, it's a healthy marriage tip. Every year before the Eagle season starts, you and your lovely wife will get up on the podium again and maybe recite different vows, shake it up a little bit. You know, every year there's something more in marriage that you have to change around. You got to keep things fresh. I think a vows is a good thing. And this is such a, such an interesting and like special case where I think your family will get it. Steven, I think you should redo your vows Wednesday tomorrow when this podcast comes out i think that's fair from ryan williams hey jack congrats on the wedding last year was my first time playing first time not playing fantasy football since i was in middle school i'm 26 and the eagles won the super bowl does this mean i should never play fantasy football again i have yet to join a league this year and i'm too entrenched in fantasy baseball playoffs to get proper attention but just want to double check i too am locked in on fantasy baseball i'm in two leagues i'm in two uh, playoffs and I'm just I'm going crazy Uh, Ryan you are banned from playing fantasy football like I'm just I'm sorry Th- there's a direct correlation between you not playing fantasy football and the Eagles winning the Super Bowl like we gotta we gotta keep that in line so Ryan I'm sorry until the Eagles lose the Super Bowl or are eliminated you are not allowed to play you can't you just can't jeopardize like you playing fantasy football again jeopardizes the entire season and you don't want that I'm sorry you're missing out on the joys in fantasy football, but it has to be done. I'm sorry. Uh, from Justin Bradley. Hello, Mr. Fritz. This is Justin again from Lancaster. Um, sorry, I haven't been putting the mailbag. I've been very busy, but I've still been listening. As I'm writing this, the Super Bowl parade rerun is on my TV. Foreshadowing? Uh, my question is, have have Doug's balls enlarged after his recent attack on the media? In my opinion, I love cocky Doug. No pun intended. Uh, I just... I. I I think he uses it a play. I think his balls remain the same. Maybe that day they, they just, you know, perk up a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I would, uh, I would say that they, they, they perk up a little bit, but I don't think they can possibly get any bigger from Bob Wassel on Twitter. Uh, can you give us a few season over under win totals you like? So I did this. I like the Raiders under eight just cause I think John Gruden is such a shithead. And like, imagine giving that guy a hundred million and then him trading your, your prime, you're in his prime edge rusher in when it's like one of the four most important positions in football. Like he, he just, he's like, no, nah, I'm good. Don't need that guy. Uh, dolphins under six and a half because I think the dolphins are trash. I don't think they have any talent. I think they are in a rebuild phase. I think they're in a transition phase trying to build up a new culture. And I don't think it's going to happen this year. They're perpetually trash under like, how is that team? Tell me how the dolphins are winning seven games. And I like the Texans over of eight and a half because I think I love Deshaun Watson and outside of Carson Wentz, I would start a franchise with him and over eight and a half. I think they're going to win the AFC South. I think that team's good. I think the Jaguars are frauds. So um, those are my three. I don't want to like bore you with a thousand of these things, but uh, I like, I like those three as my locks and from West Champlain, who I almost forgot um, who has the biggest metaphorical genitalia, big balls, Doug, big Dick Nick or big balls, Howie. Um I'm gonna go with Big Balls Doug. Consistent. Just consistently big balls from Doug Peterson. So, um, yeah, Big Balls Doug is the biggest genitalia. Oh, it is back, baby. What do you have all been waiting for? What's the line saying is is back and better than ever because now we're Super Bowl champions. And last year I got hot. I'm not gonna lie, I got hot. I was looking at the lines, I was seeing the lines like like a beautiful mind, basically. Just just dissecting lines seeing right through Vegas. Had a good year. Had a good year. I'm hoping I'm hoping it to match up because like I did this whole thing where I can just look at the line and tell you if the Eagles are gonna lose or not. And this line's been weird. So it started it started at five and a half, I think. Uh, that was with Carson supposedly being the starter. Now it's down to two and a half. So money's pouring in on the Falcons, and Vegas has has let it pour on the Falcons. They've let it drop a point and a half. Um which is which is I think I think what is happening right now and as I'm looking right now 70% of the public is on Atlanta, which is always great you always want to be going against the public but um, cuz Vegas is not in the business of losing money there's not there, there's a reason why they they all stay in business so whenever the money's on the other team I get very happy I'm, I get very confident and I was nervous but the fact that all the money's coming in on them right now what Vegas is doing is they are just they are just sucking in all these public betters—they're saying, "Oh, we'll let the line keep dropping, line keep dropping. Take here, put all your money in, put all your money in. Boom, Thursday, guarantee that line gets back up, gets back up to three and a half because all the sharps are going to be all over the Eagles. Eagles win, cover the spread, one to zero. What's the line saying? Is going to be one to zero. Take it to the bank."